Of course, from now on, we need to isolate him. You want to lock him away? Do you know what your brother is capable of? Hugo is condemned. The last threshold means the death of the carrier. It's starting all over again. Not starting. Spreading. Hugo. Hugo? My brother needs your help, and the rats are already there! Control your flame, Protector. Others are burned in it. The island! It's where I must go! It's where I will be fixed, Amicia! I will do what's good for you. I will. I'm not ready for this. No one could be ready for this. Let's go ahead, everyone. Dark Spider David here coming out of semi, or I should rather say pseudo-retirement in the podcast form to talk about a game. Like I mentioned on that final episode of Season 5, Episode 10, where I said that I was pretty much just going to be recording podcasting segments topics, reviews, things like that, whenever I felt like it. Whenever there was this internal gut feeling that made me go, yes, this needs to be talked about right here, right now, in like the most <clears throat> kind of nonchalant, kind of just free-form uh, style of format in the in the way where I could just, you know, get in front of something, whether it be the camera or the microphone, and talk about it. At least if it's not Spider-Man or Batman related, that doesn't necessarily have to go up on that niche channel. Somewhere where I can vent about something that I genuinely either loved or hated. And as the title and the thumbnail of this particular segment dictates... We are going to be talking about a game that I just finished playing last night at the time of this recording. And I'm still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it. I did post a tweet, but of course, 240 characters was just not enough to really um, expound on what it is that affected me from this game as I rolled credits on it and man the credits on this game it just leaves you with this feeling of disillusionment but in a good way in a way where you want a game to be impactful I am talking about a Plague Tale Requiem so this is the sequel to a Plague Tale Innocence that came out I think in 2018 I believe I don't think it was it's 2017 for some reason sounds a little too early I want to say it was like 2018 or 2019 uh, it's got to be one of those two years, for sure 2019. But I remember hearing about it, and then it came out and started to get all these really great reviews. And around the time that that first game came out, Plague Tale Innocence, I remember, I don't know why, <laughs> what compelled me to do this, but around the time that that game came out, I also happened to have gotten an offer from Gamefly to restart my membership for a dollar, and they'll send me two games. Uh, for the month, and I was, you know, like I said, I don't know what it was, but I was motivated to take advantage of this offer, and go ahead and reactivate for a dollar, my card gets charged for a dollar, but I, I thought to myself, for a dollar, and this was, I think, during the summertime, or something like that, where I did have some free time to myself, I didn't uh, have work, or anything like that, I don't, I don't know, or, yeah, it was like the summertime, um, and I, I just went along and did it, I just went along and did it, and I activated my account, and one of the two games that I rented was Plague Tale Innocence, because of all the stuff that I heard about it, and also because I went ahead and looked up how long the game was, and it said that it was only about 10 hours, 10 or 11 hours, I thought to myself, okay, I, that definitely sounds like something that I can squeeze in during this month-long um, bracket, because generally with games that I get through that offer at, over at Gamefly, I never rent the biggest games, because obviously those are going to take way too long it's kind of counterintuitive and it's gonna leave nine times out of ten i'm gonna have the games be unfinished when it's in the back so whenever 
Gamefly gives me th- this option. I always, always, always go for either short games, s- somewhere between 6 to 10 hours, maybe 12 if I'm pushing it and if I know that I'm going to be getting some free time off of work, off of school, etc. And so I decided to have Plague Tale Innocence be one of those games, brought it home, I finally played it, and it turned out to be one of the more underrated gems of that year. Like, I was just so taken by how much I really enjoy that game, despite the fact that the genre heavily leans towards stealth. And I'm generally not a stealth gaming kind of guy. I I really am not. I I don't necessarily want to go in guns blazing and uh, act mindlessly inside of a video game, but at the same time, I do want a feeling of free will where stealth could be an option, but it's not the only option. It's not the only thing that's going to give you like a game over. And that's not to say that the Plague Tale series here in the two games doesn't have occasional occasional missions where the option is to do stealth, but there's always some kind of story implication. There's always some kind of context that says there's a reason for why it's only stealth only. There's no bullshitting, bullshitting around it. And so... As I played and beat the first game, I was just like, man, what a game. What an underrated gem. And I, I don't understand why not a whole lot more people are talking about this game. So when they announced that they were making a sequel, that's just how much I love that first one. I believe it did make my top five of 2019. And I loved it so much that when they announced the second one, I was right there saying, thinking to myself, yeah, this is a day one. I wish I could fight it, but this is going to be a day one for me. And then that Game Pass logo showed up at the end. I was like, yeah, baby, free of charge. I have Game Pass. It's going to be coming day one. Sign me up. And as time went along, I, I noticed that, you know, they were kind of a Sobo and um, Focus Entertainment, the developer and publishers, they were kind of a little, a little quiet about it. But occasionally, every like three or four months or so, they would drop a gameplay slice, all leading to finally a reveal that it was coming October 18th, 2020, very late in the game. I mean, uh, 2022, uh, very late in the game because for a while, I was kind of scared that they were going to delay it. We were, you know, like at the end of summer. I think it was back in July or August where we barely got a release date. And so... The game drops, and I always thought to myself that once this Broketober season started, because we are actually in the midst of an awful lot of big AAA uh, name titles dropping, I I looked at all of them and thought, yeah, God of War Ragnarok, Callisto Protocol, sure. But at the end of the day, one little nugget of a of a sequel here was always there at the at the front of my brain. And it was also at the front of my brain because it was the one to kind of usher me into Broketober. It was the first game to kickstart it all, Plague Tale Requiem. So I played it. I did start up Gotham Knights in there somewhere for the sake of the live stream that I did for the Nice channel. And there will be a review on that on set niche, on the Batman and Spider-Man YouTube channel, the main YouTube channel. Um, So, for, you know, stay tuned for that on there. But baked around that, I would spend... All of my time playing Plague Tale Requiem because as I played, it was definitely scratching that itch that I was kind of missing for the majority of the summer. I would play certain games off of my backlog, whether it be for the 2022 backlog or for my pre-existing backlogs for Game Pass, for Xbox, for PlayStation. And there was, at least for the summer, you know, earlier in the year, there were some releases that I was looking at and going, yeah, I need to play that day one. And I was lost in them. But there was a bit of a dry spell for a game where I, every time that I played it, it was very, very difficult for me to put down. 
And Plague Tale Requiem was able to hone in on that, was able to scratch that itch and made me go, yeah, this is the game right now that is very difficult for me to put down and makes time go by fast. I would often look at the clock only not because I was bored, absolutely not, but just because sometimes I needed to keep track of what time it was because I had some kind of engagement, pre-engagement or I needed to go to sleep. (laughs) It was late at night. And I would find myself looking back and going, holy shit, it's already been half an hour. You know, in these these incremental chunks, time would just go and go and go. And that's how you know that you've stumbled onto something special. Plectel Requiem was definitely able to hone in on that. And here's why. It is a sequel to the first one. And generally, when it comes to not just games, but also movies, TV shows, well, I don't know about TV shows, but movies and games in particular... Sequels are often come with a sort of stigma that they're there just to make a quick buck. They're there because the first one sold well. That was the initial motivation. And therefore, the story doesn't come up as anything, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. It leaves it to be lackluster because sometimes sequels are just there to to make that money. And because of that, the writers are forced to come up with something that doesn't make sense or takes sure what worked in the original movie or the original game but then they just blow it out of proportions they just blow it to extreme levels to where it doesn't feel like a natural progression for the series halloween kills (laughs) halloween ends but plague tale requiem even from its opening hours does feel like a progression it does feel like it just lifted from where it left off at the end of the first one we have amicia and Hugo, a brother and sister, trying to push forward in an effort to save Hugo from this disease called the macula. The macula is this thing that's tainting his blood and is slowly killing him. However, this macula is tied to a plague, uh, a disease plague that's being carried by rats. Rats that are in an, uh, in a, 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 are pretty much rabid, willing to tear off the flesh of bone like piranhas on land and are carrying this plague sickness everywhere they go infesting cities and pretty much dooming um, settlements. So imagine as Amicia, you have to carry around your kid brother who you love dearly, but he is also pretty much bringing all this death and destruction almost everywhere that you guys have been from the first game to now here the second game, all the while trying to end trying to reach that goal of hopefully finding some form of cure, some form of resolution to this plague, not just in the, you know, the external conflict of the plague of these rats going all over the place and eating people, but also the internal one of how to be able to cope with shit going down like this, meanwhile trying to keep hope alive for your baby brother. And pretty much that is the emotional heart and center of not just the first game but also the second game it's this relationship with the brother sister that's believable you for the most part like these characters of course i have my own personal bias about little kids and from time to time hugo would tap that little bit of bias against kids where you know it's very difficult for me not to look at hugo and be like dude could you shut up and stop saying i'm scared i'm scared i'm scared but at the same time imagine being like what what is he like four, five, six years old, and you have this thing called the macula, which you can almost interpret. I'm not trying to liken it or I'm not trying to trivialize this in any way, but 
you know, take the somewhat pseudo-supernatural quality of rats being attracted to this macula and going everywhere that the macula goes and eating people. You know, like, like I said, like piranhas, just swarms of these rats. Um, but just take that out of the equation and think of the macula as blood poisoning or as a form of cancer. Being a little kid and then being constantly told, like, yeah, you know, you're you're probably going to go <laughs> in, like, the most roughest, um, bru- most brutal way possible. Like, yeah, it's, it's a little tough for a little kid to internalize something of this nature <laughs> and and to have to bear the burden of the younger brother or y- the younger sibling and just, you know, try to tell this the, you know, your little brother that everything's going to be okay and when, in fact, it's often not. And that's always... The theme that not just the first game, but even more so the second game is always trying to tackle. It's trying to tackle that theme about how sometimes it's okay to not be okay. It's almost like it's metaphorically trying to tackle toxic positivity and keeping up appearances and going like, hey, sometimes it's okay to not be okay. All right. And that's the interpretation I walked away from the theme of Plague Tale Requiem most over innocence. I will admit, however, towards the latter leg of the game, like the third act, that theme does wear a little too heavy to where I was starting to... I I don't want to say went 100% in this direction, but it did kind of teeter on these areas that The Last of Us Part Two did, where shit was just so depressing and saddening that even I'm like, yo, I get it, all right? I get it. Can we, like... I, it made me f- fear and hurt for the voice actors and the the the, uh, the actors overall, the voice and motion capture, of having to constantly be dealing with these scenes, especially like I said in the latter half of the game, where it's just nothing but like sorrow and depression, and I'm like, how do they get through this? Like, and that's uh, just a, a credit, a humongous credit, given to the directors. The writers and the performance artists behind almost the entire cast. Mainly, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the names right now, but mainly the actors behind Amicia and Hugo. Because they nailed it. They nailed it in a way where I will legitimately get a little upset if come Game Awards season, we at least don't see a... I don't know about winning, but we don't at least get a nomination in there for the 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 actress who plays Amicia, all right. I didn't see anything go her way for Innocence, but Requiem needs to. Requiem pretty much needs to be the Godfather Part Two equivalent of video game sequels here, where maybe the first one didn't garner all the awards, but the second one at least has to make waves in animation in uh, nominations for several different categories. And one of those categories needs to be performance, whether it be for the kid who played Hugo. Or the actress who played uh, 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 Amicia. Because they were just immaculate. And an awful lot of props also to some other characters. Uh, like Lucas. There's a character named Arno. Arno. I th- it's pronounced Arno. Even though the, the last letters are A-U-D. So they're they're silent I guess. Um, but the, the, he, he's a very complex and interesting character. Sophia is also an, uh, a very cool character. Um, there were some that kind of checked off a few of those 
tropes in these kinds of games where you see a character kind of monologuing and you're like, okay, you know, enough of you. <laughs> Ever so often that would kind of come to pass. And those were some nitpicks that I would have amongst the, the storytelling and the in the in the narrative structure and pretty much the overall writing, but from a, a, a piggybacked alongside how sometimes it can get a little heavy-headed towards the third act, where like I said, it's just nonstop depression. But what kept me from fully wanting to just walk away from the game, like I did with Last of Us Part Two, is that there's just something about the way Amicia and the, her interactions with Hugo, the innocence found in Hugo and Lucas, both being of the younger uh, variety, that made things just just a little easier to swallow versus that of Last of Us Part Two. Now, something, something almost feels kind of cynical about Last of Us Part Two, as opposed to there was, there's no cynicism found in Plague Tale Requiem. I think that's probably the biggest differentiator that kept me wanting to push forward despite the depravity going on and the rotten rottingness going on in the game, both metaphorically and then quite literally when it comes to these rats swarming anywhere, everywhere. Which then brings me an awful lot of the technicalities behind the game, the more technical aspects of the game, where this is most definitely a double-A game, so you definitely can see the scope and scale and budget of the game being much higher than that of an indie, but not quite there as a triple-A studio title. And from time to time, you see that a little bit in the animations. I don't want to say that janky, but ever so often you do have an animation that feels a little, just you know, could use a little bit of an extra render pass in the computer or some refinement, specifically when Amicia is like... I can't say running, but she's almost like trotting like a horse down some stairs. She's doing like this side thing that always looked awkward. But everything outside of that is completely and technically sound. And some of the visuals, more than I want to say about five or six times, I found myself stopping and just gazing at some of these vistas, some of these areas within the Eastern European front, some places that are obviously taking place in France, some are uh, fictional, others are probably lifted from some paintings from that era, some concept art, etc., you know, things like that. These are these are some of the visuals where whatever looked like it did in the concept art, they pretty much just replicated it and just made it th fully three-dimensional within a sandbox of some sort. Now, this is not necessarily an open-world game, though there is, there are a couple of chapters that are open-world-ish. This is another little page that they kind of took from the likes of most recent third-person uh, adventure um, narrative-driven games like God of War 2018 or Last of Us Part Two, where... For the most part, the game is linear, but there's like two particular chapters that take place in an environment that is open, that you can, but it's not so open that you, you just get lost in the weeds. Uh, let's just say that they're open enough to where you can't just move anywhere in a neutral fashion. You do have to sprint everywhere if you want to get there quickly, but it's not too open enough to where sprinting isn't enough and you need some form of like horse riding mechanic or some kind of fast travel system, anything like that. It's not. It it, it just kind of takes that open approach of like, hey, take your time in this area because the times where the things get kind of ramped up, they're going to ramp up. And we'll get to the gameplay there in a second, but from a technical perspective, the game is one of the most gorgeous ones this year 
and it definitely puts the Series X through its merits. I play this obviously, you know, through Game Pass on the Series X. It is available on PlayStation Five, but so far, I don't know if even playing it on a PlayStation Five should be even considered an option because. As gorgeous as this game is, and as great as it sounds with its environmental sound effects, the 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 sound effects you hear out of some the sound effects are amazing. Whether it be in the most beautiful, serene areas where you hear an awful lot of the wildlife and nature, waterfalls, beaches, etc., down to the most decrepit, disgusting sound effects you hear whenever you're in like the thick grime of it like this game is going to go out of its way to gross you out in some areas um and you can practically kind of almost smell what you hear and, and you see um in certain areas and if that wasn't enough like i said some of the performances you hear from these actors really sell the notion that you're pretty much walking through hell now it must have been hell for the series x to actually handle this game at times because the game is running at 30 FPS. There were a couple of moments where, from my naked eye, I could tell it dipped, like, a handful of times. Not too frequently, but a couple of times to down to about 25, when not only do you have an awful lot of texture and detail coming out of some environments, and you have a lot of NPCs kind of roaming around a lived-in area like a town or a marketplace, etc. But then we get to these goddamn rats. Holy shit. This is probably the only area where I mentioned at the beginning that an awful lot of sequels tend to blow up things in terms of proportion and scale, but they don't really progress as far as the character's development or the story's development. The only area where they do blow things out of proportion and look at something from the first game and go, whoa, we have more money? Cool. Double up the rats. (laughs) Double up the rats because, trust me, by the end of this game, without spoilers... This is this game definitely, I would go as far as to say that it takes all the rats that you saw in the first game and I think quadruples it, quite frankly. In a way where I'm like, how is this game still running at a somewhat smooth 30 FPS? I can only imagine what kind of PC rig you will need to run this thing at 60 FPS. It's actually quite forgivable that this game is running at 30 fps because right now there's this really weird transitional period we're having as a gaming uh community where now we're looking back at 30 fps and going huh turning up our nose like 30 what about you know i'm more of a 60 person now especially now that uh, consoles like the ps5 and the series x are able to handle it in that sort of way certain games at least and granted you know you'll have your games that are able to toggle those modes where the game dips from a 1080p to 60 but you could do 4k 30 and you have the option to switch back and forth there's no options of that whatsoever for plague tale but when these rats show up instantly you're able to forgive the game and quickly realize the rats are the reason for why there's no option because I'm pretty certain that regardless if it's running at 1080p, to be able to handle the amount of rats swarming and just almost slushing and ebbing and flowing throughout some of these environments in this game, it just would have been, frankly, quite fucking impossible for a game to even run at 108060 with the amount of rats that there are in this game. And every time that the game was able to push further and further just how many rats were plaguing the screen here uh at one time 
it never failed to impress me. Especially, like I said, towards the end. I'm keeping things vague, but towards the end, there were times where I'm like, fuck this, can I can, can I go back? Now I'm acting like Hugo, let's go back, let's go back. Because it definitely left a, a, a very lasting impression. But not without its scares and its qualms, because as, as much of a technical feat, uh, it, this game ended up being... Uh, all the way to its very end it wasn't without its stumbles there was one instance where the game froze and it, it's funny enough there weren't really any rats and if there were they were kind of in the distance uh, you could kind of hear them in little like patches but it was pretty much during a stealth segment where I had to stick around some dudes I was inside of a house and I made a really quick turn with the stick with, for, to turn the camera just so that I could look around me and the game froze for like all of five, six, maybe seven seconds. I don't think it was ever close to ten. But long enough to scare me. In a way where I was still able to hear sound. But the entire frame of visual was just frozen. And I thought to myself, here it goes. It's going to crash and spit me back out to the main um, main screen. Only for it to unfreeze after about six or seven seconds. And continue on through. Another glitch did lock a character somewhere in the environment I could hear him especially when I made certain commands that are tied to this character but I could not find them what made this problematic is that in order to advance and go through a door I needed him I needed him to be with me so whenever I went up to the door a little loading reticle would pop up and nothing would happen because this guy just flat out disappeared I could hear him but his character model just completely disappeared on me. And I had to restart that little segment. Thankfully, I didn't really have to repeat too much. I just had to kill like one or two dudes and go back to the door. And thankfully, there he was. But it was a little bit of a nuisance. It wasn't, however, the worst nuisance. The worst nuisance, and probably the one time that I looked at it and said, yes, this definitely kept the game from being a full 10 out of 10, a full experience, um, a, a full masterful experience of how to make a game like this look amazing and sound amazing and run amazing even at the 30 fps it, from a double a developer no less was a moment where the game did in fact crash i got one crash now thankfully that's still quite a, a feat for the game to just crash on me once in a almost a 20 hour campaign i think it was a little less than 20 hours i want to say about 16 or 17 hours total that i put into this game but what really really kills it for me is that this crash happened during one of the most climactic and emotional moments of the game it, it the game tried to do this thing where it tried to transition from a cutscene to gameplay in a very dynamic way where the camera kind of zooms out and is super flashy super kinetic and right when it did this like zoom out or dolly out dolly it, it just kind of pulled the camera back and so that it can transition into gameplay it went to black screen and it then kicked me on over to my main Series X home menu and like I said if it wasn't I probably would have been a bit more forgivable if it wasn't of the fact that it took place it happened during a very emotionally investing segment of the game I was just like god damn it I was just there like you can't do that to me how Come on. Now, again, 
there's still some merit to be found in the fact that this was the only legitimate crash, aside from the scare earlier, the only legitimate crash that the game had during my entire run with it. And to be able to sustain itself, leading up to a very hefty climax. The, the climax itself is also much more technologically outstanding. And so for the game to not crash then, I was expecting it to crash then, and it didn't. And apart from that, I, I was kind of becoming a little heavy on the game, a little a little harsh on the game with that crash because of just how bitter I was left with because it crashed during a very emotional moment. There was I, I was just wasn't ready for where the game and the story and the gameplay was gonna go into next in that in those last in that last hour or so that I was able to kind of bounce back and go, all right, fine. I look at that crash and I'm a bit more forgivable on it, especially with what they were able to achieve later on and actually have the balls as developers and programmers to be like, you know what? We could put that many rats in the game. Sure. And I'm like, the Series X over here is just, I could tell on the internals, it is struggling. <laughs> it is just breaking all amounts of sweat. And I, again, I was thinking to myself, it was just going to crash at any point. But I think what made it a bit of a compromise is that the climax is very heavy on emotional, on emotion, on story and visuals, not so much on the gameplay. But that's okay. That's okay because the gameplay leading up to this point is pretty much what, if you have played the original Plague Tale Innocence, you will see that the gameplay, they pretty much took it and much like the story, they progressed it. They didn't do anything showy. They didn't do anything all that. Like, they didn't tweak too much of it, but at the same time, they added little things here and there that made sense to the character uh, of Amicia. Because she's definitely going from a type of character that she was in the in the first game where she was more so of a, of a, of a very passive guardian on over to a slightly more assertive protector here in the second game. Assertive enough to take action, very drastic actions. And the gameplay kind of mimics that in the sense where now she still has her sling sl uh, uh, her sling that she's able to throw rocks, David and Goliath style, style. But the developers pretty much looked at that sling and says, okay, what else can we add to the sling to still make not just the combat, but also some of the puzzle mechanics, the environmental puzzles, more dynamic and more thought-provoking. And that's pretty much what they added. You know, aside from the fire rocks that you could toss so you could light up stuff, as well as be able to extinguish them, uh, thanks to some help from Lucas and Alchemy, now you have other things that you can add to that arsenal. I almost kind of don't want to spoil them, so I don't really want to mention them here. But there's other things added to your arsenal to the sling to customize these rocks in a different way that makes you think, okay... Now I have so much variety to some of the stealth options on how to take out these enemies so that I can be spotted less. And if I do have to take action, there are some times where I'm like, I'm not even going to do stealth. I feel confident enough to be able to handle all these guys. And I did. And there's much more freedom than there was in the first game. And it's not just restricted to the sling. Let's just say that other things are then added to Amicia's arsenal, some of which of you have seen some trailers and even some promotional art, you'll see that she's bearing a crossbow. Again, kind of speaks to her character. But at the same time, they don't overwhelm you with a plethora of different weapons and customization options. It keeps things, for the most part, pretty 
pretty um, safe and pretty intuitive, especially when you get to the upgrade system of those uh, equ uh, those pieces of equipment. Uh, the workbenches are still back. You still need to get tools and pieces in order to be able to craft and level up some of these pieces of arsenal. But then they decided to do something a little different with the upgrade system for Amicia as far as her character, as far as her being able to just get better as as character, as a lead third-person action protagonist, that I thought was actually pretty interesting. And I, for a linear or slightly more linear game, I really dug it. If it was a much more open-world heavy game uh, and a much more RPG-leaning game like, God forbid, the Assassin's Creed games or... Dragon Age or anything coming over, uh, over from Bethesda or in the J JRPG route of say um some you know something like Persona or whatever then I would have like to have a much more traditional upgrade system where you gain XP and you get these experience points and you're able to bank them or spend them on a skill tree it, it Black Tail Requiem doesn't have a skill tree it has more of a progression bar it has these three bars with three different characteristics that favor Amicia's aggressiveness. So if you want to be uh, more of an attacker rather rather than being sneaky, the stealth bar where if you do want to be much sneakier and be able to take the much more quiet approach, and then when you want to get crafty and be able to you know, take your resources and build them effectively. The more you favor a style of game or a style of approach to some of these encounters and scenarios in combat, or when you're trying to traverse environments and puzzles and areas that are plagued with rats, those progress bars will then move forward. So you don't gain XP and you don't get these points that you accolade, accolade to certain trees. It really falls on you. So it's not like you can sneak around, gain XP, but then you take that XP and you put it towards something that favors the damage that you shoot or something like that. No, if you snuck around, you'll get better at sneaking. If you're crafting more, you'll get better at crafting. That's pretty much what this upgrade system is. And quite frankly, I mean, I might be having, you know, some uh, acute short-term memory loss here, but I do not remember that being the case in Plague Tale Innocence. I feel like this is a brand new thing to Requiem. And it's a brand new thing that often made me think, why don't games do this a little bit more? Like, we don't really have to worry about XP or keep track of how many points we still have. And also, have the character that you're playing as feel more, in, you know, kind of tailored to how you were playing them instead of contradicting how you were playing before, even though there's a level of freedom and... and uh, customizability to being able to sneak around, do certain things quiet, gain XP, but then being able to level up your health and level up your, your damage output, etc. <laughs> but again, that favors those style of games that are much more open where anything can happen, like Elden Ring, etc. This is much more linear, so because it's much more funneled down, a system like this makes a bit more sense and feels much more natural to this genre of games. So if we do see more third-person linear games such as this, I kind of want more developers to take uh, some notes off of this system because I really did dug it. I At first, I thought I was going to be against it, but over time, I started to get the little notifications from the game saying, hey, you snuck around and you barely killed anyone in this encounter. Because of that, we pushed you to the next tier where now Amicia makes a lot less noise than before. And I'm like, 
that there was this very sincere form of reward, uh, 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 this feeling of reward that I haven't felt in a really long time. And I'm not. That's not to say that this game is completely challenging. There's some encounters that are going to be a little bit easier over others, and it really boils down to how someone prefers to play stealth adventure games, third-person adventure games. If they want to go in there and be aggressive, or if they want to be uh, sneaking around and such. But the resources that are dealt to you, it falls on on the equation of factoring in the difficulty, which you can change from easy to normal to hard, or just the style of how you play some of these games because there's some encounters here where I booked it and I was able to sneak but at the same time the AI never felt stupid there were times where the AI I I thought I had the pattern figure out and then the, he he or she most often he the soldiers would turn around in a direction where I'm like yo I I, I thought they were gonna go in the other direction and they spotted me but I I got frustrated within the moment and thought to myself, of course he would turn around. But now looking back, I'm like, yeah, but he is a guard. And he hasn't checked that area in a really long time. He's going to have to check it again. That's how a guard reacts. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That that actually is kind of cool. So the gameplay was really thought-provoking when it came to some of these encounters. At times, if I do have to nitpick, I would say there, there are your occasional moments of levity where all you have to really do is just press forward and that might turn off some gamers um, because it's very, you know, like walk me where the game legitimately just tells you, hey, talk to people and explore this area. But more often than not, I found myself cherishing those moments because they just came right after a very intense um, moments that had to do with stealth that had to do with combat, that had to do with some of the environmental puzzles, which I'll admit are not as difficult as they can be. I don't know if maybe it's because I've just been studying an awful lot of game development recently out of sheer interest, or they really were just that easy. There were a couple that I looked at some details in the environment, and I was like, I think I got this already figured out. And it turned out to... I rarely ever got stumped. I think there was one encounter where I had to reach... uh an area and I just could not make it out until I realized that I needed to simply get rid of the guys so that I can then progress further in the story because from a narrative perspective, I was like, okay, well that makes sense. I thought I could just book it through here, but I guess I can't. Um, so it was only one moment and it wasn't so much a, a, as much of a puzzle as it was just a traversal area. And there was also some moments that I just, don't understand why people are not talking about the Plague Tale series consisting of set pieces, of action sequences. There's one area here where, sure, it doesn't involve stealth or combat. It involves mainly just pressing forward and holding down the sprint trigger. But what is going on around you, I would dare say, can rival sequences out of the Uncharted games. I'll go as far as to say that there's a particular sequence in this game that stuck with me for a very long time. It made me think, yeah, after it was done, I was I was breathing heavy, even though, like I said, gameplay-wise, it didn't really involve much of my doing. But the visuals and the stuff that's going on around you is just so, you know, so action-packed in a way where I was thinking to myself... This is right up there with some Uncharted shit. <laughs> some Uncharted sequence, you know, the, the the plane sequence from 3, the train from 2, um, the jeep chase from 4. I was like, 
yeah, you know, I, I would say that this is right up there. I, I can't 100% say it's better. I feel like at that point I would need to replay some of the Uncharted games to really make a clear ranking, but it could give the Uncharted franchise a run for its money should the Plague Tale series have been a bit more emphatic on action. But, of course, that really wasn't the point. The point was to make you think of whether or not uh, an encounter or a scenario should be tackled with stealth or through combat, and just how much uh, of a dream this game is for people who love ASMR. Because I don't, I can't recall a game who's ha- that had this much whispering in it in a really long time. Every time that there's some kind of encounter, everybody has to talk like this, and all the char- characters have to whisper to each other. It must be... An absolute delight for people who love ASMR. I personally don't, but of course I was able to get by just fine with a game like this because of the 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 context involved. So, in conclusion, man, I just what a game, what a game. I mean, you've already hear, heard me rave about the things that I absolutely adored, and rightfully criticized the things that it did occasionally stumble on, whether it be the one or two crashes the game did have or near nearly had as well as relying a little bit too much on the the sadness and depravity of the, of the themes at play here but always at the end there was some form of light at the end of this this tunnel that felt more sincere and less cynical than other properties most recently have tried to tackle and you can definitely feel an awful lot of the heart and the soul that the people who developed this game really had going through from beginning to end in developing a sequel that did more for the sake of progressing the story as opposed to just elevating the spectacle. And the parts that it did elevate were rightfully done, whether it be the amount of rats they were able to put on screen or the uh, gameplay flourishes to make things just a little bit more... Uh, not not just more fun to play, but also more intuitive and also more continuously sound for Amicia as a character and for the supporting characters to take notes, especially certain mechanics that involve the rats. I actually kind of wanted to keep that uh, a bit of a surprise, but let's just say that the gameplay is just not limited to Amicia, but other things surrounding her as well that I thought were pretty interesting. And that is why, so far right now, Plague Tale Requiem gets a 9 out of 10 from me. It's not only a potential Game of the Year contender for me, but it's likely very much going to end up in my top 5 come the end of the year. Yes, I've not played Elden Ring. I haven't even played Stray, although I, I, I really am finding it difficult for a game like Stray to topple something like Plague Tale Requiem. But I can definitely see some strong contention in the form of God of War. Ragnarok, or I would even say Callisto Protocol. We shall see, but right now, guys, if you have Game Pass, please play Plague Tale Requiem. There's even a point where I almost feel like maybe, just maybe, you don't have to play the first one. I think you can maybe look up like a recap, but if you have some kind of resource that lets you rent or play Plague Tale Innocence, if you know somebody who has a physical copy, pop it in, play it, and then play Requiem. It's on all con. well, not all consoles, not on Switch, but you can play it on PC, PS5, uh, I think also PS4, or maybe just PS5 and Series X. Um, and it's definitely a worthwhile entry in the series that I, I I don't think people are talking about enough. 
that does it for me in my review of Plague Tale Requiem. I personally have no idea when I'll be doing another one of these very lengthy segments in podcast form, but I hope you guys will be there when I do. Possible reviews for God of War Ragnarok, Callisto Protocol, or should some kind of big news that I really feel the urge to talk about present itself, I will then be back in front of the mic. In the meantime, though, you guys know where to find me at Twitter, at Instagram, at Dark Spider David, or the links could also be found in the description, not just for my Twitter and my Instagram, but also the main YouTube channel where I t- tackle all things Batman and Spider Man, predominantly figures, but every so often I might want to do the occasional review on a game or a movie, such as the Gotham Knights game, which I will then be playing much in much more full force now that Plague Tale Requiem is out of the way, most definitely before God of War Ragnarok comes out, um, but also other things that I'm also uh, down to react to and uh, conversate about, so you guys can find me there. Otherwise, guys, stay humble and take care. What happened? It's the rats. This world hurts. And it keeps hurting. And you want to hurt it back. But it's a fight you can't win in. They must die! They are there! Who do you think you are to defy me? I'm Amicia Darun!